What does it look like to run a business as a Catholic woman? What does success look like? What does integration look like? How do you discover your gifts and talents and steward those well? And while we're asking questions, what about those hot button topics like MLMs and girl bosses? Hey, welcome to Letters to Women. It's a podcast where we explore and embrace what St. Pope John Paul II called the feminine genius, this unique strength and dignity that we have as women and what growing in that looks like in our daily lives. This is not about defining the quote unquote one perfect way to be a Catholic woman living in today's world or about shoving yourself into a box that you just do not feel like you fit in. Instead, it's about the journey of discovering the unique ways that God has gifted each and every one of us in the feminine genius and what that looks like in the particular lives of women. My name is Chloe Langer, and I'm a Catholic wife and mom living in Kansas City. I record these conversations during my toddler's nap times and bedtimes, and in today's episode, I'm sitting down with Elise Crawford Gallagher. She's the owner and CEO of Ringlet, a company that equips women to blaze their own path to business success and financial freedom through their marketing, strategy, and coaching services. And today we're talking about vulnerability in business leadership, why the phrase girl boss just does not cut it in describing the work that women do in business, and MLMs, and whether they're all bad, and what alternatives women have to provide that flexibility and success that they're dreaming about. If you're ready to reframe the way that you think about business and learn about the nitty gritty of building a business that serves, then sister, this letter is for you. This episode of the Letters to Women podcast is sponsored by The Little Catholic Box. The Little Catholic Box is a quarterly subscription box for Catholic women. Each quarter, Erica curates unique and gorgeous Catholic items around a spiritual theme. It is so much fun to be a subscriber. And it's also a blessing to artists, creators, and small businesses whose items are featured. I love getting the little Catholic box in the mail. The past box that I unboxed featured everything that I needed for a gorgeous little Marian garden and this adorable bud vase that I'm using for all the little flowers that the girls are bringing to me while they're playing outside. This month, they have a special offer for Letters to Women listeners, and one of their most popular items is 50% off if you visit the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters. And if you're sipping a cup of something warm while tuning into this podcast episode, then you're going to love the surprise that they have for listeners this month. There's a new deal every month for Letters to Women listeners, so head over to the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters to see what this month's bonus is. Now here's my conversation with Elise. I am welcoming Elise Crawford Gallagher to the podcast. Elise is the founder and CEO of Ringlet, created in 2017. And with employees in Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, and New York City, Ringlet has provided integrated marketing and design services to hundreds of business owners who are changing the landscape of business. Elise has built Ringlet from a one-woman show to a thriving multi-dimensional company with 12 employees. Ringlet has produced national multi-level campaigns for startups around the country. Through its five years in business, Ringlet has hosted creatives and entrepreneurs through its education-focused events and its brand new branch, Ringlet Coaching. She's married to her college sweetheart, and they live with their baby daughter in Maryland. Elise, welcome to Letters to Women. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Hi, Chloe. I've been a longtime fan, so I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Today, we're going to be talking about recognizing the feminine genius in business and what that looks like to lead with humility, and then also how women today can invest in themselves and their communities through business opportunities that really honor their dignity. But to start us off, and especially for listeners who are meeting you for the first time in this episode, can you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Absolutely. So I am a Catholic female entrepreneur. My mission is to empower other women to live out their feminine genius in their vocation to business. 
whatever business or work might look like for them in this present season of their life. I founded Ringlet in 2017, and in 2018, I founded Catholic Women in Business, which is an organization that provides educational resources for women who are striving to integrate their faith and their vocation to business. My heart for women's ministry really began in college. So I went to the Catholic University of America. I studied philosophy. So I like to say that if I became an entrepreneur and business owner, anyone can. So I studied philosophy and theology and then went on to get a master's in communications from Johns Hopkins and then went on to do some consulting work for archdiocese throughout the country and eventually founded Ringlet and have grown it to a, as you said, a multi-dimensional company, which is very humbling to hear um, in, your, in, in your introduction. It's been a wild journey over the last five years of business. I love too how your first degree with theology and philosophy has shaped what you do today. It may not have been, you know, when you're sitting in theology or philosophy classes, like that's, this is definitely how I'm going to apply this in the, in the world post-grad, but I love how it's informed and integrated into what you do. Thank you so much. It definitely does inform how I approach work with our clients and with our employees. We really strive to put the dignity of the human person first. And my idea of what that means was really formed through my study of philosophy and theology, specifically John Paul II's uh, Theology of the Body. So, okay, so you're the founder and CEO of Ringlet, and you work with forward-thinking and women-led businesses that are driven by a mission to create change. Tell me a little bit about the origin story of Ringlet and how it's grown. And I know it's changed since its beginning back in 2017. So my wonderful business partner at Ringlet, Claire Conway, has always known that she was called to business and to be an entrepreneur. I did not. I thought growing up that I would be an actress or in media in some way. But I was drawn to studying philosophy in college and really understanding the human person and just always have loved relationships and understanding what we are called to as human beings through my studies in college really formed me. But I graduated having no idea what I wanted to do. My family wanted me to go into law. My dad's a lawyer. In a funny turn of events, my husband is now a lawyer. He just passed the law <laughs> the bar exam. Um, but I was not called to, to be a lawyer. But I really took a couple of years after college to pursue a master's in theology, which I ended up not finishing. But I did really enjoy my time there. I was at the John Paul II Institute and I was studying marriage and family. And again, that really informed my understanding of the human person and how we are called to live out our vocations as Catholic laity. And then I finally was able to connect with some amazing Catholic women entrepreneurs and creatives who were living out their gifts and talents through marketing and PR. And that formed my view of what my job could be my vocation to business could be. And this is not something that happened overnight. I like to, when I'm sharing my story, I think sometimes as women, we hear other women's stories and it sounds so neat and in a box. And <laughs> like, here's, here's one step to the next and how it happened. Our vocation is always complicated, right? Because we're human. <laughs> and uh, so I just want to say that, that this was not something, a, a conclusion I came to very easily or that transition between philosophy and theology 
and business was one that I really explored for, for a few years before deciding to start Ringlet. But having those mentors and those examples of other Catholic women working in the secular world um, in media and PR really made a big impact on me. And I was able to reach out to one specifically, Ashley Crouch, who runs Appleseed Communications. She was based in New York City at the time, and I was able to get an internship with her. And I started working with her running PR for other women in business, other women business owners, entrepreneurs, and I fell in love with the startup world. I also, as I mentioned, was doing some consulting for Catholic Archdiocese. I really came to this stage where I had to decide if I wanted to work in the Catholic world or if I wanted to go the more secular route. And what I came to the conclusion of was that I was called to start Ringlet, called to start a company that was really salt and light to the world. I felt that I was called to be a bridge between the church and the culture and to bring Christ to those who perhaps would have not encountered him otherwise. So at Ringlet, we really strive to bring Christ to others, even though we are not a Catholic company name. We work with clients with all different types of backgrounds. We have employees from all different faith backgrounds. But in how we treat our clients and our employees, uh, again, putting their human dignity forward, and treating them with respect, which is hard sometimes to find within business. Uh, We really do um, seek to be his hands and his mouth and eyes and feet um, in those situations. Can you tell me about the name Ringlet? It actually comes from my grandfather's name. My mom's dad, his name was Charles. However, he was the youngest of six and his five older siblings nicknamed him Ring from a young age. And we no one knows why um, they chose Ring, but they did. And so I grew up with thinking my grandfather's name was Ring because everyone called him Ring. <laughs> and so I wanted uh, to have a fun name for a company. I didn't want it to be Crawford & Co. And so um, I played around with the name Ring and came up with that in his honor. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so so not every woman has to be a multimillionaire or a 500 plus employee running a business that's that large to have a successful business. And I loved that when you launched Ringlet Coaching last fall, you emphasized the fact that every woman can use her gifts and talents to cultivate a business. So for any woman listening, maybe she's thinking about starting a business or she is years into that journey. What would your advice be? in a way to grow an awareness of her gifts and talents and to utilize those in the business world. Yes. I'd like to say to them first that there is space for you within business. As women, it sometimes takes us a little bit of time to be confident within our gifts and our talents and our abilities. I know for me, it's taken some time to be comfortable in those and be willing to say, yes, these these are my gifts and talents. They are worthy of being shared and I can be confident in them. So I want to say that first, that there is space for you within business. Business is not just a space for uncomfortable suits and boardrooms. Business can look like running a company between nap times. (laughs) Um, And secondly, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. There's no such thing as a small start. Wherever your offering is or your service or your product is that you're desiring to offer to others, Business starts with relationships. Growing that community around your offering or your product is really key. And even if it means that you're just 
just in quotes selling to your cousin down the street or your friend or your local coffee shop that's huge that means that you are building those relationships and those things deserve to be celebrated i would really also mention looking for mentorship i know that mentorship in my life has been huge a game changer for me and how I run my business. And it's sometimes hard to find. I know that it's difficult to make time for mentorship, but it has been really key in my own path to business. I love how this emphasis on even things that we would consider small steps are massively important and they matter. I think it's easy to look at big businesses like those 500 plus employees and think, well, you know, this is like you said, this is just my local coffee shop or this is just my friend who knows me from small group who's buying this thing that I've designed or that I'm passionate about as a service that I offer. And so, yeah, this emphasis that no small things matter, especially, I mean, at all seasons, but especially in the beginning and really giving the space for those small things, I think in our lives as women is really important. Yes. At Ringlet, we are trying to start this revolution of thought that for women, if you feel called to start a business, to go for it. And as you said, not every woman needs to be a multimillionaire. That is no longer the definition of success within business. Every woman can define success for themselves, whether that is making $5,000 or $500,000, that those goals are worthy of being pursued. Yeah, you should take pride in that. When you started Ringlet, you're working solo and offering things like social media marketing, email marketing, website design, event coordination. And today it's grown to a company with with 12 employees. How have you seen yourself growing as a leader over these past years with Ringlet, especially when it comes to building community within your team and then also asking for help from others on your team as well? I loved this question. I started as a single engaged woman. So I remember sitting down with my now husband Hunter at a restaurant and playing around with the names, finally landed on Ringlet. And now I'm sitting here, we have a home. He has, as I mentioned, graduated from law school. We've gone through several career changes. We have one baby and one other one on the way. And life has just completely changed from what it looked like when I first started Ringlet. And that has been a lot of transition. I don't think as entrepreneurs, we talk often enough about the different seasons of life and of business. I like to say that your business should be working for you, for your business. And that has really been incredible for me to see how I have evolved um, and Ringlet has evolved through the last five years. I never thought that I would have 12 employees and be working with the clients that we are, it is tremendous to see how a little vision of running a marketing agency has really expanded. And that has meant that I needed to be stretched and expanded as well. Entrepreneurship and leadership is demanding it. You know, the Lord tells us what it means to be a leader in that we are called to lay down our life for our friends. And leadership is a sacrifice. It is putting others before yourself. And we are currently a virtual team. So we have had to get really creative with what it means to build community, what it means to keep up that positive work environment, to make sure that all of our employees are thriving. And I've had to always listen, I think has been, it's been, I think, really key in my leadership is being open to feedback and being open to pivoting 
not getting stuck in my way of this is what I think needs to happen. And we're just going to, you know, this is way, the way it's going to happen. Um, but really being vulnerable to feedback and being vulnerable with my team has been a real game changer in the last year. You know, I was able before having Rosemary, even being pregnant with Rosemary, my first, I was able to project this image of perfection in that I always came to meetings looking, you know, well-dressed, put together. And then I got um, pregnant and I really was sick. I was very sick my, with my first pregnancy and I had to just be real with my team and with clients at times and say, you know, I, I really can't make that meeting or I'm sorry, I'm going to have to take this meeting off camera because I was just sick a minute ago or um, cutting back on work hours. And then getting pregnant again, I was like, you're in the row. I have had to, again, practice vulnerability in planning for maturity leave. Our team is in the middle of doing so right now. I'll be taking three months off this summer to focus on family and recovering from birth. And that's been very humbling as a leader. I need to rely on my team to keep the company going. And this company is not just mine. It is absolutely belongs to my team as well. It's been really beautiful to see as a leader, to see others step up and allowing them the space of vulnerability, I think, has allowed for them to step up to use their gifts and talents as well. Yeah, Will, you're talking, I think about, I think it's Brene Brown who talks about how vulnerability begets vulnerability, how when you show up and let yourself be seen in the reality of your situation, how that gives people permission to also do that. And when you're doing that in a healthy, trusted environment of a team who's working towards a mission together, I can only imagine how helpful that is in building a community, especially when you guys are virtual and spread throughout the country. Mm-hmm, definitely. So many women, especially when they're in a new season of life, as a wife, as a mom, they're looking for business opportunities that are flexible, that are ordered to the good of their families. And some of those women turn to businesses with a multi-level marketing structure. Tell me about your thoughts on MLMs. Are they all bad? What alternatives do women have that provide them that flexibility that they're dreaming about for their family? Absolutely. So I know that this is a hop-on issue and I may lose some friends here, but The reason that I really encourage women to not engage in an MLM is because that because you don't have control over the course of the business, the business decisions that are being made, you don't have control over the products that are being offered that you're selling. And I think that puts other women in a place that can be very vulnerable in a not so great way. When you join an MLM, you are becoming a salesperson for that company. And that means that you are offering that company your time, your community, and your relationships. And I really would encourage women to think, is the company that you're working for, is this MLM that you're working for, is it really worth offering all those things too. Is this company worth my time, my relationships, my community? I don't think all are bad. I understand why women are drawn to them. They're looking for that flexibility, as you mentioned. MLMs also offer infrastructure for these women to sell the products, which means they're given marketing materials, they're giving messaging, they're given community as well, which is beautiful. I, I have seen many groups of women become very close with one another as they're working on MLMs together. And that's very attractive. However, LLCs really give women the power to define their future 
it's about $100 to open an LLC in Maryland. I know that in other states, it's not as much. It's a little, it's around 100. So you're not going to be paying hundreds of dollars for that legal structure within your business. And there are so many resources that can help you create an offering or a product that you can be proud of and that you can tweak and make beautiful and make something that you are really comfortable offering other people. Yeah, when I think about MLMs, the thing that you said in the beginning is what struck me the most was, is this is this company a place where I want to invest not only myself and my time, but also my community? Because it, there mm-hmm. is that aspect of selling to friends and family that is that is that seems to be integrated into running an MLM. And then, yeah, it's, it's just fascinating that difference in ownership too, between owning something like an LLC and operating that and having a, more control over what a business looks like versus operating within a framework of an MLM, which I would I would assume would be pretty structured just for cohesiveness and, and similarities throughout the structure of that MLM. Yes. And MLMs are making money not only off not off the products, but really they're making money off of their salespeople. And I just want people to go into relationships with MLMs aware of that. So MLMs, hot topic issue. I think another thing (laughs) that is fascinating as I'm browsing things like social media for business inspiration or connection with other women who own businesses, there's a lot of catchphrases that get thrown around. And I think the one that I've noticed the most is girl boss. I would love to hear your thoughts about what you think about that phrase and how would you define or maybe redefine success for women in business today? Yes. So I'm going to go on a little bit of a soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) This is something that I could talk about for a while. I started Ringlet during the rise of the girl boss movement. Girl boss uh, was a term defined by Sophia Amoruso, who started Nasty Gal back in she started in 2008 2007 and then she published a book titled girl boss in 2014 and this actually plays into the history of feminism so in the last about 150 200 years there's been four main waves of feminism the first was roughly about 1848 to 1920 and that was the women's suffragette movement so we gained the right to vote in 1920 which was great. (laughs) And the feminism that we are is most known is the second wave of feminism, which was during the 1960s and 70s. That was led by Gloria Steinman. And they founded the National Women's Political Caucus in 1971. And that was really focused, that movement was really focused on uh, political um, movements within the nation. Obviously, that was during also the sexual revolution. There was a lot going on (laughs) there. Um, And the third wave started in the 1990s, and that more focused on tackling problems that happened in the workplace. So sexual harassment, shortage of women in positions of power. And then the fourth wave is present day. So the start date of that fourth wave is debated. Sometimes people say it was started by Tarana Burke in 2007. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing her name with the Me Too movement. So all of this, there's, as I just laid out, it's like 150 years of women trying to figure out their place in the world um, and gaining very needed rights, right? The vote, right to vote was amazing and it's great. There's also bad things that came along with that feminism, mainly abortion, the legalization of abortion. 
What's especially interesting to me is that women gained the right to open credit cards separate from their husbands in 1974, which is less than 50 years ago. Yep, during my mom's lifetime. And I know as a female entrepreneur that having a credit card was really crucial to helping me start my company. And I want to have wondered why could we not do that? What were they worried about? Uh, I don't know if they thought that we were going to, I don't know, run up too much credit card debt or something. But I think that society has this fear of the power of the feminine. I think that we are actually internally also sometimes afraid of the power of our feminine genius. And the fact to speak to the feminine genius, it defines our entire existence. It's not just a characteristic that can turn it on and off and that I can leave in the car while walking into the boardroom, but it really does encompass my, my whole person. So why Girl Boss was so popular in the rise of my, uh, to 2014 is because through all these waves of feminism, we were told that we really needed to approach business and approach life as a man in order to succeed. We needed to not have children. We needed to put aside our desire for family in order to make money. And the publication of Girl Boss in 2014 by Sophia Amoruso was the first time that really a, a female came into the conversation and said, hey, I'm going to bring my femininity into the boardroom, into this discussion. And she defined that as uh, wearing pink and being girly. And it was the first time that someone took a entrepreneur seriously while she showed up with her femininity. And maybe that femininity was more service level in that, like I said, she was wearing pink and her book was really fun, but it was so interesting in that, yeah, it's the first time someone showed up like that and that we on a national level and it kind of gave us all permission to not be afraid to show up with our femininity in tow. But that movement also left out a lot of minorities. It did not recognize that minority women not have the same resources and access to resources as uh, white women did. So in 2000, like 1920, we really, 2020, we really saw the fall of the girl boss. There was a movement where a lot of brands such as Glossier and Into the Gloss, these really big companies that were somewhere unicorn uh, were brought down because it was called out that their owners were not treating their employees or their teams with dignity. Now that leads us to two years later in 2022. And what I really see happening post-pandemic is this opening uh, between the church and the culture where women are really craving now a more integrated life. We are realizing that we cannot put aside our desire for family. We cannot put our femininity in a box, that we really need to bring our full selves to work. And that's why my manifesto for last year has been down with the girl boss because I don't want women to think that being on the cover of Forbes is the only measure of success. Touching back to what we were speaking on before that sometimes success can look like having time to have lunch with your kids and taking calls during nap time or being able to 
hire someone to help you around your house, that all these things are worthy of being pursued and can be defined as success. We are taking away the idea that having a multi-million dollar company and leaving your home for a nine to five is the only path to success for women. Yeah, I love that integration. It's it reminds me too of I listened to Kendra Adachi. She runs the Lazy Genius podcast and one of the things that she talks about is naming what matters and how when you name what matters in your life and and for our conversation in your business, that's not going to be the same thing that maybe the person beside you would say is successful, but it's what matters to you and the way that you're running your business and, and the way that you desire for that to be rightly ordered. Maybe that's within your vocation or your season of life or your role as a wife or a mom or a single woman. And I think that that is really freeing more so than kind of fitting this narrowly defined, this is success. Like you said, cover of Forbes, multimillionaire. And until then, I'm not enough or this didn't work or I'm not successful. Yeah, it goes back to, I think, our conversation on vulnerability. I know when I first started Ringlet, I felt like I did need to wear those uncomfortable suits and show up, quite frankly, like a man. I needed to be very formal. I couldn't talk about my family, couldn't talk about my personal life. And now I really do strive to be more vulnerable in my conversations with colleagues and with clients. Now, there's always a way to be professional, correct? But I do strive to bring my whole self to the conversation instead of trying to be who I think I should be instead of um, showing up authentically. Yes. Yeah. Being able to call out those false expectations of the shoulds and just mm-hmm. live, live fully authentically as a Catholic woman. Where can listeners connect with you online and learn more about Ringlet? And then also, while we're recording this, you just launched a podcast that I would love to hear more about and where we can find that as well. Absolutely. So we did just launch a podcast. It's called Roll Your Way. The title came from Dolly Parton's 9 to 5 song, which um, I love. He's a lyric about life rolling your way. Um, And we just launched on Apple and Spotify. So you can find our podcast there. You can connect with me on Instagram at Elise Crawford Gallagher. You can find Ringlet on Instagram at Ringlet Studio. You can also find us at ringletstudio.com. And you can find Catholic Women in Business at catholicwomenbusiness.org. Elise, I have one last question to wrap up our conversation. How do you live out the feminine genius in your everyday life, especially as a woman who's dedicated to elevating Catholic businesswomen and their stories and their products? Mm, That's a great question. I am really passionate about women understanding that as Catholics, we are called to motherhood. Every woman's called to motherhood, whether they're married or single or religious. That is a beautiful part of our feminine genius. And so we are called to live out that motherhood through the gift of life. I really strive to listen to others, to be receptive to them. And to be a space where they can be themselves, they can be loved, and to cultivate their dreams, their talents, their gifts, and then to give them back the gift of myself, whatever that may be in the situation or needed in the situation, whether that is just a listening ear or some words of advice or some direction that has been a real gift to me through Ringlet and Catholic Women in Business is having the opportunity to practice my spiritual motherhood. 
I think spiritual motherhood can sometimes come across as really vague, like, oh, spiritual motherhood. Mm. But those examples that you gave are so practical. So thank you for sharing those and for for living out your spiritual maternity and and your physical maternity as well and having that impact. Yeah, our world is as Catholic women and, and Catholic women in business, especially. Thank you so much, Chloe. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show and sharing your story. And yeah, it's been so exciting to get to know you a little bit better, to get to know Ringlet better. It's been a joy. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Letters to Women podcast. Check out the show notes for my conversation with Elise on my website, letterstowomenpodcast.com, or just scroll down in your podcast player for links to Ringlet's website, social media, and their new podcast, Roll Your Way, that just launched this month. You'll also find a link to the Little Catholic Box so you can get on their waiting list and make sure to use the link as a Letters to Women listener to get 50% off one of their most popular items. Every month, I send out a newsletter called Naptime Notes, and I write that during those rare coordinated nap times that my girls get me. I share what I'm reading and listening to, my favorite thrift store finds, and the library books that my girls and I are rereading and rereading, as well as some tiny changes that are making big differences in our life here at the Lanker House. The May issue of Naptime Notes just went out last Friday, but if you sign up to the link in the show notes, you can read through it and find out all about our recent park adventures and the fantastic surprise that Joseph got me for Mother's Day. If the conversations that you hear on Letters to Women are something you'd recommend to a friend, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast. Seeing a new review from you as a listener makes my day. You have no idea how exciting and encouraging that is. And rereading reviews helps me get to know you better as a listener and help tweak that the show for future episodes. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss out on any future episodes, including a really fun series that's coming up this summer about friendship with women in your life, featuring the women who contributed stories to my newest book, Sisterhood, Giving and Receiving the Gift of Friendship. That released this month, and you can get a copy today anywhere you get books. That is all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid.